promise. From yesterday's show, we said we were going to be back tomorrow. Yeah. And we are. All right. <laughs> Honesty's good. <laughs> Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Derek Brandeo, Jennifer Rolnick. Cameo appearance by Sammy. Oh, we got to do it before the end of the year. Just get him walk out here and look at the camera. No, 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 no. If the Leafs were still playing, if they were winning, it's like a, it's like a prize. They're out now. If no they reasons. had won, so I'm just by the hitting, way, we're going to call hitting. that a, a Samio, by I'm just, the way. I'm just happy you're showing up for work. Yeah. That's why I thought maybe they would start being cameo appearances because we're not sure now that the Leafs are out of the playoffs and how difficult it is to watch again uh, Tampa and Florida tonight. Nah. You're going to be a little easier than game one for yeah. you to watch? Yeah, I'm, I'm completely over it Go in ahead. terms of – no, 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 not over the <laughs> Leafs right. losing – but I'm over not being able to watch hockey. Doesn't I watched, that speak I watched to hockey. how unpainful the loss was? It wasn't like Montreal. I bet you couldn't look at Montreal last year. Tampa, no, you're like, ah. I, I actually, last year was different because I rooted so damn hard against Montreal for the whole run. Yeah. So there was, there was definitely... It never subsided, that feeling... Never, you never lost that feeling no, no, over I, time. And you, they're, t- come on, they were such underdogs right from the get go. Montreal, there wasn't a part of you that cheered for the underdog. You're asking me if I cheered for the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, I am. <laughs> uh, the answer would be no, not for one yeah. minute. I was, I even, so we talk about the happiness edge because I have, I have a surprising amount of people in my life that are Habs fans. Probably, you know, four or five of my buddies are Habs fans. And it was not a pleasurable experience when the Leafs got put out by them from the said fans. Yeah. I actually put a couple bucks on the Habs in the final as a little bit of happiness hedge. Insurance, just in case they did it. Yeah. yeah. That always gets me. You're, you're, paying, your team. you're paying to ensure your happiness. So in I, this round. I like, mean, I bet quite a bit of money on the, the Lightning in game seven. Did you? Yeah, I won't disclose how much, but quite a bit. <laughs> I, I will say after ta- Toronto went up one nothing in the series, I bet on Tampa to win the series. Uh, just, you know, I would like Toronto to move on for our show, so I figured I'd get paid if they didn't go on, and I got paid. That's just about the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> what are you talking life. about? It's genius. It's actually the least stupid thing. It's it's ensuring you're getting compensated for yet another year, it's year, actually, year of heartbreak. For me, it's like betting on Tiger Woods in golf where I'm already invested. I want Tiger to win. I mm-hmm. don't need to bet on him to root for him. So it makes no sense. You got you to bet your money with your natural instincts. I may or may not have sprinkled a couple of hard-earned dollars on him missing the cut this weekend. Jennifer, in can, can we get that 1-800 number <laughs> for these two guys, please? So I they can talk to somebody. I swear I don't even gamble that often. It just seems that, like, the things we talk about, the gambling comes up. Like, I don't even... He only I'm, bets on, like, sports. <laughs> yeah, sports, you know, <laughs> the Oscars. I had a really big bet on if Will Smith would slap somebody at the he Oscars. Did. I cashed. cashed it, yeah. All right, so last night, two games. Anybody have Ian Cole on the game-winning goal? I did not. I didn't put any money on that. Carolina, Rangers lose, and then 9-6. I lost track. Was that the final? 9-6. Have you ever seen anything like that? Quite quite honestly, you would expect the 9-6 hockey game to be good. To be a good hockey game? <laughs> Why? No, 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 no. There's no such thing as a good 9-6 hockey good. game. It was awful. A lot there's, has there's, to go bad to never, get to that number. There will never be a scenario <laughs> where you would be going, 
That's a good hockey game. Well played match, fellas. So we expected a lot of things out of the Battle of Alberta. We did not expect 15 goals. Yeah, and how many of those were good? Uh, there had to be a dozen goals under the arm. Seven hole all night long. Just couldn't squeeze anything, any okay. keeper. But this this was a this was a storyline and a narrative that had followed the Edmonton Oilers for quite a long time now. No one saw this coming out of Markstrom. No. And then so it, Markstrom a, gives them that game and they still don't get a win. It's almost this I mean, this is a theory. We'll get get into the Battle of Alberta more later, yeah. but there is a sense for Markstrom where it's like, oh, I don't have to play like, tonight. It's like, no, like Ottinger was just oh, I unbelievable see. in the series before, and he was at playing at such a high level, and Markstrom sort of had to match that. The next, the first game you play against the Oilers, was it three goals and go in the net in the first 10 minutes, and you're like, oh, God, I'm going to barely have to play, and it's, then it's bing, yeah. bing, bing, bing. It's that know. old analogy, like if you're being chased by a bear, you don't have to outrun the bear, you have to outrun your friend. Yeah, right? Exactly. So you only have to go as fast as That's the person right. you're with. He goes, if that guy over there can't run, I'm just going to keep just ahead of that okay, guy. We're, 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 we'll dive deeper into the Battle of Alberta a little later on in the with, show. With some of our favorite coach clips. Oh, we got uh, clips today. Oh, no, no, no. And now officially passing uh, the uh, Sheldon Keefe's torch, um, Daryl Sutter. Yeah, he's uh, going to be the the he's guy. He's the new Kippers Clippers. <laughs> <laughs> Except he doesn't talk for more than twelve it seconds. Doesn't yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Was good. What matters is we're going to get a good chuckle. We are. Assuming they win, I don't know. Does he is he still funny when they lose? I don't know. Okay, a waste of eight days. <laughs> a waste of. Uh, yeah, you talking about our days. show? <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna dig out uh, uh, an Eric Francis question too. I'm sure at some point. Yeah, Francis uh, had some questions. Okay, so outside of the eight remaining teams in the National Hockey League fighting for Lord Stanley, not just the Toronto Maple Leafs doing housekeeping. Uh, a few days ago, mm-hmm. the Boston Bruins also uh, made availability to uh, the press through their president, Cam Neely. What didn't follow Cam Neely was the general manager beside him right, and the head coach, Bruce Cassidy. This one had a much different feel. Yes. This one had the feel of a president who was very upset at how it went with his team and that they underdelivered and that there would be repercussions. And you may guess as a leaf show what we're referring to. And I will say that I watched the 12 minutes while I was recording it before I cut the clips for the show that we're going to hear and just the way that he was interacting with the media in terms of listening, reacting, talking, answering questions. It couldn't have been more night and day than what we saw on Monday and Tuesday. Okay. Plenty to dive into that as really what we're talking about is a Cam Neely versus Brendan Shanahan, two presidents with a vastly different vibe. Yes. Let's go to Cam Neely on his year-end availability, and uh, we'll start with his uh, first comments. I think we have to look at making some changes as far as how we play and, and, and the way we do some of the things. Uh, I think Bruce is a fantastic coach. I mean, he's, <clears throat> he's brought a lot of success to this organization. 
Um, I like him as a coach, so we'll, we'll you know we'll see where it goes. But um, I do think we need to make some changes, and I think Bruce a couple days alluded a couple days ago alluded to that. So we'll see where that goes. We'll see where that goes. You know, is like they haven't decided what they're doing with Bruce, right? With Bruce Cassidy, the head coach of the Bruins. That that to me was just the complete opposite of what we heard here in Toronto with Sheldon Keefe. The only thing I I wonder or question right now is maybe he does know he's just not ready to tell you or me or anyone else publicly. Neely. Yes, Cam. Yeah. Do you th- you, you think he's made up his mind already about uh, Bruce Cassidy? You know, we'll listen to these other clips, but I genuinely feel like there's going to be a bit more of a process. No, I don't think he he knows. I think he probably is leaning towards him coming back. But, you know, do we have comments where he's, he's yeah. going to talk to um, Sweeney? It sounds to me like the, they would work that out together, I guess. Yeah, so I think uh, Sweeney was in the last year of his deal, and he wasn't sure if he was coming back, and he alluded to the fact that Sweeney would be coming back. But then he taught it was I didn't put that clip in because okay. that one was more or less the point of what we wanted to get to. For sure. But I I have to say I'm envious of that tone of just a president going up there by himself and just making f- people feel a little squirmy. You know, making people even if they do bring Bruce Cassidy back, who's a good coach. See, I I, I like the fact that just making people yeah. feel a little bit uncomfortable for, can make things better. For, for me, the key word was changes. And he didn't allude to changes uh, in terms of firing people or moving people in or people out. He just said the way we play. He yeah. just focused on the way we played. and But it's pretty strong. Changes is the word I think many people wanted to hear around, uh, around here. Well, they didn't win, so they need to make changes. You know, I agree. That's what we're lacking. What What did you think that he meant by this whole thing? Do you think he has a plan for the GM and the coach in his mind? And Well, I earlier, a few days ago, I had said that uh, when we were talking about Barry Trotz, I said, I, I know that the Boston Bruins are contemplating yeah, yeah. changes. Yeah. And I believe that then. And take Cam Neely at face value. And to your point, they probably going through a very vigorous process right now to come to that conclusion. Mm-hmm. So why don't we do the next clip on their team's performance and we'll, uh, we'll pick this up on the other side. Cam Neely on making changes. We just played that one. The, oh, did we? Yeah, yeah. Next one. Yeah. Oh, this is well, the... You look at playoff, well, you look at playoff hockey on the road, you've got to think five on five, your top guys are going to get shut down. So your power play's got to come through, your depth's got to come through. Uh, game seven, I... Re- <clears throat> Wasn't really happy with our game at all. I didn't think it was anywhere near our best game that we could have played as a team. Um, we had one power play, and that was them putting the puck over the glass, so we didn't draw any penalties. And our secondary scoring kind of dried up on us. Um, you know, you need that in the playoffs, especially on the road. Well, it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely drop in Brad May. Yeah. It's not good. No secondary scoring, not dried up. Yeah, not drawing penalties. No, he didn't like the way his team played, and that's you know where the changes are coming from, right? He's unhappy with with the whole group. And again, this is we're talking about this because we're talking about the Toronto Maple Leafs, and we're talking about how it felt like everything was. Are you are you comfortable? The Shanahan was asked, and he's like, Yeah, he laughed it off basically. Yeah, like yeah, we're everything's fine. 
Like, uh, you know, and you hear run it back or not run it back. I just didn't, it's nice to hear a president be like, oh, changes. Players would not be privy to a warning on how a, a president would come out either way. No different than the Leafs watching mm-hmm. Sheldon, Brendan, and uh, Kyle up there. You just, you're like every other fan. You're just watching it for the first time. And so how do you think the so, guys would feel watching that with Brendan and Kyle saying, hey, basically everyone's fine, we'll mull it over, but... Or, to, to extend the point that you're just making, the Boston Bruins now listening to Cam Neely. Think uh-huh. about think about those two different vibes yeah. as you leave town who's to in, go who's out? for the summer and, and train. Now, granted... There's a big difference I've here. I've been involved at the NHL level on many occasions on those year-end meetings, I can assure you that the vibe that the fans got through Kyle, Brendan, and Sheldon was not the same one they got at their year-end meetings. Don't think so? Not a chance. (laughs) There is This is the thing we said all year, that everything's a pat on the back. No, no, I don't... Again, maybe for... A few named Marner and Matthews. Yeah. But outside of that, I don't care what area you're in. You're a first-round loser. You're getting ripped behind the scenes. Exactly. Now, I'm not saying, like, everybody except Marner and Matthews. Yeah. But there would be a handful of guys on the Leaf team at their end-year meeting uh, feeling awfully small when they leave. Yeah, the room. That's awful. I, I don't know if you've had a bad year-end meeting before, but I mean, a lot oh, of people I've can. Had re- a few. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of people can relate well, to performance why, why reviews. Why didn't you fight Scott Mellenby in game? Uh, you know, uh, seventy-two. And you're like, I'm, I'm like, what? Uh, uh, was uh, I supposed uh, to? Yeah, I had you out against him. You didn't know that? <laughs> uh, oh my god, I can't remember. Yeah. Um, Explicit directions, please. I think just to go back to the can't. To Cam Neely versus Shanahan, and something that you alluded to earlier in the week. I think what we're seeing here is the difference between a MLSE led thing and Jeremy Jacobs, right? Is that the the yeah. president? Yeah, that's or it's the a owner. Singer. The Just owner, a guy. It's like a singular guy, need, and like, we know the reputation of 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 Jacobs, and not a good one. Yeah, it's a different feel for sure. A different vibe. Like, there's two different things here, where it's like MLSE, and we don't really know who makes the calls the shots on it in terms of him keeping his job or not keeping his job. And then yeah. with the Bruins, who you do know calls the shots. So yeah. I think that's that. And you have leads. one guy to make happy with yes. your comments. Yeah. That leads to a different yeah. vibe, I think. Uh, yesterday or the day before, I can't remember, when I said, I'm not sure upstairs who's paying attention mm-hmm. kind of got back to me that they are paying attention. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah. The answer is not oh. nobody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. All right, then. Yes. Well, that's... So, whatever... The, the sense is that, you know, Brendan gets to completely call his own shot. It, it, it's not true because right. he does answer to a board and he does answer to uh, Bell and Rogers and Larry Tannenbaum. And yeah. the just... What got back to me is business wise, winning are, would be good are, business. They are and paying attention. Yeah. They, they are paying attention. I imagine when it comes down to that business aspect, it's like, hey, 
we're trying to make as much money as possible. You're making decisions that are not maximizing our money. At some point, you're going to be held accountable a little bit for that. You know, there was one more clip we have from from um, Neely, and it's not about the team or people losing their jobs, but it just, to me, drove home the idea of the Bruins have to make decisions and they're not going to be held hostage by anyone else in their decision-making. Um, you know, Patrice Bergeron may retire. They're not sure. But he had this to say on Bergeron and how they're going to go about their business and sorting that out. Well, he understands that we have decisions to make coming up here. Um, <clears throat> so with him in the lineup is different than without him. So obviously the year that he had, I hope that he feels good about his game still because he had a pretty damn good year. So hopefully he's uh, mentally um, prepared to, you know, have another one. I mean, I, you got to, you know, give him some time to digest all that and talk with his family about it. But we have decisions to make coming up as well. But we have decisions to make coming up as well. Yeah. You know? See, that's a, that's a great segue into... Again, if we're going to draw parallels between President Cam Neely and his message and Brendan Shanahan's message, we've got to also compare where the Boston Bruins are and where the Leafs are. Mm-hmm. And it's clear, though, when you look at it at face value, the Bruins feel a lot more at the end of a certain now program. Era. Era, program. Sure. They're older. They're... They are years way ahead of Toronto. So despite people looking at the Leafs and saying six years, mm-hmm. you're still talking about a relatively young. They're like our, pri- our core is in their prime. Maybe not even in their prime. Yeah. Maybe on the on the cusp of even going to their prime mm-hmm. because there's still that, that, that window that yeah, Mitch Marner is 100 points this year. What's... Stopping him from 120 next yeah, year. Yeah, let's see, 24, 25, right? yeah. 130. Yeah. So is that, do you have to consider that as well? It is relevant. And it is, it's super relevant to, you know, what you're going to do with Bergeron. If you don't have Bergeron, you got six and a half million to spend. Yeah. You need to find a elite guy. Like it changes your whole outlook yeah. and you just can't, it actually, for some reason, I can't help but think of John Tavares and the Islanders when he said, you know, uh, just wait, but, just wait, just wait. Now, and they're like, ah, uh, don't want to trade this guy if he doesn't want to be traded. And all of a sudden, they're holding the bag. You can't be stuck holding the bag. Now, that may be Brendan feeling like we're still, like, we're much younger than Boston. We shouldn't feel like the sense of urgency. But as we had said yesterday as well, that there are tremendous cap issues. Even though Bergeron is much older than mm-hmm. Matthews. Matthews could represent Patrice Bergeron as early as next year. Like, we got to make decisions here. And are you mm-hmm. resigning? Are you not resigning? Like, yeah. It, it, I don't know there, if you to be talking about Matthews like that. There but. is there is a sense of urgency on many parallels here, despite Boston being this much older team. Yeah. It's a great point, actually. Like, there is a little bit of a parallel unless unless Matthew signs on the dotted line immediately, then there's no parallel. But if you're working under that sort of assumption, I, I don't know. I don't even want to go there, but I, it's I, true. I'm not, uh, I'm not beginning to pretend I know the Boston Bruins as well as I think at times I do for the Toronto Maple Leafs. But here's a team that's depleted uh, their, their pool with draft picks and going out and making these 
big decisions, buyers. They've been mm-hmm. buyers the last few years. I don't think that they're sitting in a great pool of talent waiting to take over for Krejci and Bergeron. Yeah. Right? No, they got no first next year. No fifth. So, like, at least Cam gave us a truer vibe than Brendan did. True. Yeah, and, like, even, I don't know, there's an authenticity to, like, we're just figuring stuff out here. We got to talk to Sweeney to figure out what we're going to do with Cassidy. Like, I mean, it seems like Cassidy will be back, but it's okay to have the coach not know, right, for a couple of days here. And It's funny, just talking about the Bruins drafting, you can't mention it without mentioning the 2015 <laughs> draft, right? Oh. The, the year where they took uh, Jacob Sporl, Zaborl, and uh and and, and Jake DeBrusque and yeah and Sinition before Barzell, Kyle Connor and Thomas Shabbat went in three in a row. Listen, uh, That's tough. I know I know some people are like really uh tough on DeBrusque and like, you know, what have you really done? But just go look at his playoff numbers. That guy's shown up. He's a playoff guy. His numbers at his age, you're as good as anybody's. Only thing is, like, how do you get rid of him? Because you're right. He's he's an effective guy, and he only makes, what's he make? Four million bucks? Yeah. So, you know, you're, you're not trading from a position of strength with him, and he's going to weaken your team when he leaves. I don't know what they'll get back, but, man, if Bergeron's gone, Krejci left for nothing, DeBrusque be out, that'd be a different-looking team. <sighs> they... They got McAvoy. Who's, McAvoy starts a $9.5 million deal next year, up from 4.9. They made a huge commitment to uh, Lindholm. Yeah, and Carlo's under contract till 2027 as well at $4 million a pop. You know, uh, starting to hear people talking about would they trade Marchand? Trade Marchand? Well, you haven't heard that? Leaf at all? fans are just like, sorry? Oh He's no! Available? No no. Uh, 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 pardon? <laughs> I've no, I haven't heard anything. I don't know. No, anything. I'm not talking about like a legitimate discussion. No, insidery. Just... I'm just talking about fans yeah. that go, oh, if Boston's gonna kind of blow it up, and at the at their at the end of their this era, would they start selling some pieces off? Taylor Hall's just Will Smith yeah, in the I, empty house I, at the end, looking around. I think like... there. I think there's a pretty zero percent chance that they would trade him within the division. Uh, too. So I think Leaf fans can stop dreaming on that one. Anyway, Panger's there. We got Panger. All right, let's bring in uh, Darren Pang, friend of the show, always there for us, and one of the busiest guys going right now. TNT analyst. Are you catching your breath, Panger, with us? I'm all good, big boy. I'm all good. You know, a couple of uh, five-hour energies ready to roll. I'm. Uh, a nice thing is I'm, I'm on this series. I'm not moving anywhere. So... Uh, um, really happy about the, you know, Colorado played a great game in game one, you guys, and it was a phenomenal clinic. But the important thing was uh, between games one and two, I got a chance to rest and play a round of golf, which will come as no surprise to you, Kipper. Nice. Love it. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Panger, we just heard from, from Cam Neely, and, of course, uh, we're going by uh, – the press conference here with Brendan Shanahan and Kyle Dubas and a much different feel, much more positive feel here coming out of theirs, despite being disappointed out of the first round. And then Cam Neely says, uh, yeah, you're not getting that same message out of me. Uh, we're, we're, we're contemplating everything here. And he said it in his press conference that Bruce Cassidy is a good coach, but 
I think Brendan uh, here alluded to, we're not making a change for the sake of making a change. And I think Cam Neely gave us the impression that uh, maybe we might make a change just for the sake of making a change. Uh, how do you, how do you see both uh, sides of this? Well, number one, I think, you know, Cam uh, during games, we've seen Cam up in his, uh, the GM's box and he's a, you know, he's a pretty fired up guy. He gets pretty wound up and emotional during these games. And uh, so, but to have a few days to reflect and, and come back in and, and say that, um, you know, tells me that uh, that's exactly what they're going to do. I mean, you don't come out. I don't think you come out and say that and then don't do it because now you're, you're not backing up your word, but if his suggestions are that there's going to be a lot of changes or there's going to be some changes, then I would fully anticipate there being some changes. But I think, listen, I think it starts with uh, one number one big decision in the organization in the future of the Boston Bruins, fellas. And you, you know what that is. That is, does Patrice Bergeron return for one more season or does he, does he pack it in and retire after this great career he's had? I mean, if he, if he gives them any indication that he's going to retire, Okay. Well, maybe that starts the wholesale changes right away. Before we get you in, JB, I just want to follow up with uh, uh, the Berger, uh, Bergeron decision. And uh, if if he was going to play next year, wouldn't you have re-upped by then? What, what, what keeps you from not signing this far and then deciding to sign for another year? Is it... Uh, uh, finding out if uh, a certain coach is going to be back or if certain players are going to be back or if you're buyers or sellers or am I coming to work with young kids or am I coming back to win a cup next year? Very good question. I, I, I mean, I think this was just my thinking with Patrice. I think it's just in his hands and that um, not going to sign a deal and being over 35, you know, tie them up as well on a contract. You just can't hand that contract back, right? Uh, I mean, I would, you know, I would say that he's going to do some thinking and, and if he decides to return, then they sign him to a deal, a one-year deal. And if he doesn't, then they've, uh, I'm sure he'll give them, this is me, Kipper. I, he seems like just such an honorable guy, just such a stand-up, incredible guy that he, he's not going to hang them out to dry. I think he, he'll make that decision one way or the other and, uh, and not put them in a bad spot uh, cap-wise. But um, it, can you imagine the hole? If you imagine that hole, right? Holy, yeah, he I mean, might already, win the Selkie. They already missed Krejci, and and I like Krejci, but Krejci's nowhere near Bergeron. So they've lost uh, the both-headed monster there. If if he does end up retiring, Kip, are you good? If I turn the page from Boston, oh buddy, okay. Uh, I want to talk about the series that you're on right now, Panger, and get your thoughts. Uh, game one, watching that, I could not help but be struck by the Kadri line. Kadri with. Lekkonen and Landeskog were an absolute force out there. What was it that was making that line so effective? I think they outchanced the other team. It was a 17 to one in, in their ice time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's complete domination, <laughs> especially, especially in the second period, fellas. I mean, it was, yeah. I, I asked, I asked uh, Jared Bednar, if is that the best second period, you know, you've seen your team play. And um, he said, yes. I mean, you know, and for Craig Berube, I mean, he, he saw a team that didn't do anything near what they have done previously. The Blues were one of the best second-period teams in the entire NHL. They, they ran the three-quarter ice, and, and yet they could not get anything going. But to, to get back to where you're going, I, I love that Bednar, you know, he added Nichushkin, so that's even more speed with the top line. And I thought that might be a temporary thing. You know, I, I actually thought that maybe coming into this series, he always puts Landis Gog up with McKinnon 
and, and Rantanen against the Blues, big, heavy line. And I thought, well, after the Nashville series, much different series that he'll make that change, but he's, he's not and staying with it. So, so you got the speed with Nachushkin on that left side. And then the, Lekkonen, I was totally impressed with his tenacity and, and, and how quick he was on pucks. So I think he was the one for me. I thought he was the, 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 the engine that drove that, uh, that uh, cadre line that was so good in, in, in game number one. So you're right about that. I mean, those top six forwards are really good. And I was impressed as well with Burke. See, now look at the depth. Now, instead of Burakoski being up there with Lekkonen and, and having a distinct third line, now he's got Burakoski there with Comper. And, uh, and who's he got? Oh, and he's got uh, Obey Kubel, who, by the way, was a heck of a waiver pickup. I mean, uh, that was, this kid can play. He's got good yeah. speed. He's got good hands. He's tenacious. I, great call. I don't know what happened in Philadelphia, but this is a great fit here in Colorado for him. And as far as the Blues, uh, how does Coach Berube get them off uh, their heels? <laughs> well, you'll like this. Today, uh, Chief told us, uh, broadcasters today, that uh, I personally did the clips for the video presentation. <laughs> and, I, and then he goes, and I personally presented those clips to the team. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. In, in, in my way. So uh, we were like, how many times during the year did that happen? He said, not many. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, let's face it, that uh, you, you can't, you can't not chip pucks past this team. It's not, they're not just a great offensive team, but they hold the line real well. They defend real well. And I think one of chief's points is what do you think in round two that they're not going to back check? Like you're going to have all this time coming back in your own zone to be able to make these plays. It's not going to happen. And he, so his, he's saying you have got to chip and layer pucks behind them and get in there with speed. And it's, it's something that they certainly tried to get to their game, but they had no chance in that second period of getting to their game. And that was a domination by Colorado. How much of a missed opportunity is that for St. Louis? Like they don't play particularly well. They get pumped in every aspect. Bennington is blackout good and they, they don't get the win. Now it's almost like, God, you go down two nothing in Colorado. Like good luck beating this team after that. You're, well, you're right. It's a waste, wasted great goaltending performance. Yeah. I mean, how many times on the road do you get 51 saves from your goaltender and he basically gives up two goals in regulation? I mean, you should win that hockey game. So, yes, for, for sure. And whether or not he can duplicate that or not, uh, uh, Jared Bednar did say, you know, it depends on, like, can he sustain this kind of workload, Bennington? And, and he was like, well, it depends on what kind of shots they are. Like, sometimes you, a goalie can get 30 shots and it's really heavy, you know, a uh, lot of power plays, a lot of post to post, a lot of traffic in front. Um, so, the, you know, that'll be a telltale sign. But I watched Bennington this morning, looked razor sharp on the ice for about 20 minutes, um, looked good, and then got off the ice, which is always the key. Don't, don't waste any more energy uh, than you have to, because I'm sure he was a little bit sore yesterday, especially his left shoulder. And, and I'm not saying there's an issue with it, but I would imagine, because I, I made a couple of saves where you've got to lean back. You remember the one on Eric Johnson where he fanned on it, but he got enough on it, and, yeah. and Bennington had yeah. to get to his left, and he jammed his shoulder on the ice. So I'm sure he was a little, a little sore in a number of different areas to be able to rebound back. But at the other side of it, uh, you know, I thought Kemper, he, he didn't have to play great, but he, he made some pretty good saves in, in net for them in his return to the lineup. We're talking with Darren Pang, analyst with TNT. Uh, switching gears Hurricanes defeat the Rangers in overtime. I, I want to keep the same theme here when it comes to the goaltending and, and the stress on them. Has Have the Rangers lost a little bit of, of the Shesterkin edge because Pittsburgh...
pulled so much out of him in that first round? That's a good question. I thought he was a little fatigued going into that, and he he showed signs of weakness for sure. Um, you know, that's a heavy workload. Not not experienced in that at, at you know here in the National Hockey League. Well, and, um, and the other thing too, Panger, he's not he's not a he's not a big guy, not a big right? Guy. He's not no, a heavy he's not guy. Huge. He's not Vasilevsky. Um, but you know, I mean, Bennington's 158 pounds, I think it is, soaking wet with his yeah. sandals on. I think <laughs> your sandals. <laughs> my, he's got my with my golf shoes on, um, you know, so I, 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 you know, I do think that a lot of that is, is mental. And I think you can overcome that. Um, but, you know, I was more impressed with, uh, with Ronta's performance. I mean, his lateral movement in that first game was outstanding. He made a number of saves that looked like jam plays or plays right off the back door that he got over there and, I thought he was remarkable in that game. And he didn't get hurt. That's a plus. <laughs> you know what? And he didn't get hurt. He's he's band-aided together, that guy. Oh, he's boy. one of the nicest guys in the world. Yeah. He's a real student of the game. I've got to know him well. But, man, every time you blink, something happens. Yeah, a blinking, broken eyelid. He doesn't blink. Um, the uh, the goaltending position for a number of teams is super interesting. And Vasilevsky was awesome in Game 7 against Leafs, awesome in Game 1. I want to get your thoughts on the idea of goalies making saves at key moments and if that's a repeatable skill or if it's just luck, like I heard Cooper say after game one, uh, you know, that against Toronto, his numbers weren't great, but he made the saves when they needed him to. And then against Florida in game one, he made the saves uh, they needed to when they came up. Do you think that's a thing or is it just he's a good goalie and that's why it seems like he makes the key saves? That's a great question. Um, you know, it's a momentum changer or a momentum sapper, you know. Um, you know, the, the ability to make a save um, after you give up a goal or after, let's say, your team has a good scoring chance and just misses, um, and then you make the kind of save that everybody comes back and taps you on the pad, those are the special ones in the game. Those are the ones that I really don't believe that the analytics have, uh, have perfected just yet. <laughs> the timeliness of great saves. For sure. Um, you know, and, and how many times at Grant Fear, like in a 5-5 in a hockey game, you know, he might have given up two that were bad. Five-five game, third period, two-on-one break. He makes this unbelievable save and keeps them in the game, and they go down the other end and score a goal. That's that's all you need to know about the game. It doesn't matter. He gave up five. It means it matters that he he made the best save of the game that changed the game around. And now Vasilevsky, oh, I mean, oh my God, that's uh, he just his side-to-side movement, his concentration. I don't know. He's 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 special. He's going to go down in history as one of the one of the elite special goaltenders. So Panger, I, I don't know how much time we, we have left. I think an hour and a half here. Um, how, do you, <laughs> how do you explain what happened in Calgary? Because nobody, no goalie made the right save at the right time. They just ran off the clock. They just ran out of time. Man, I'm still, in, I'm still impressed that, that big Walt, Keith Kachuk, uh, when his son scores a hat trick, wouldn't throw his Ob Clark's hat onto the ice. I'm not <laughs> sure if you saw that. Is that what it was? I'm not sure. That's, see, Ob Clark could probably that afford a new one. Eh? Institution, yeah, yeah. And Jimmy O'Brien that owns Ob Clark's. I, I mean, I'm I'm sure he's made a million dollars off Keith Kachuk and the boys uh, from them going to that uh, that great little pub in St. Louis. But everybody, his daughter. Uh, Tara, she wanted him to throw the hat. Fans are telling him to throw the hat, and he and he's got it tucked into his belly. Like, no, 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 that's my favorite hat. I'm not throwing it. That was <laughs> hilarious. But the goalies were to uh, listen. Goalies, uh, 
Boys had a rough one for sure. And I, I, I you know, and I, I know Mike Smith emptied the tank and had a great series, uh, you know, in the, in, in the last one, but yeah, I, I go back to, ha- you know, there's just, there's little margin for error when you play so deep in your net and when you're on, you're on and it's, uh, and it's good, but man, when you're off just a little bit and puck hits the side of your body or it hits the post, hits your back, goes in or anything like that, there's just, there, there's no, there's no gray area that a puck can lay at that you can cover it up. And so I think it's great when the timing's on, but when it's off, as uh, last night showed, it can be greatly exposed. And, and I don't mean to pile on Mike Smith at all, who is one of the, I think the best goaltender in the NHL from April 1st to the end of the season. He got red hot for a stretch of play, but like his right skate hit the right post on that first shot. Like it's a playoff game. You would be prepared. Do you think there's just a jumpiness to him, uh, you know, for him to be, be able to be so good, but to look so, you know, cartoonishly out of position at times last night? Yeah, he was. It was Cartoon- a bit of a scramble. <laughs> Cartoonishly. Cartoonishly. Have you ever heard that before? <laughs> That's a new one. Cartoonishly. Cartoonishly. It was like you put Millhouse in there and they had him taped to the net for the. Have Simpsons. you ever seen Fred Flintstone skate, Panger? <laughs> That's, That's what he's what talking about. Nailed it. Yeah, I, I've seen him skate. He, he wears number fourteen for Tampa Bay. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, oh, that's great. I, I, love, I love me some Patty Maroon. We're gonna, that's a good one for Patty Maroon. Uh, you know what? Flintstone. He had one of the best lines in the playoffs against uh, against the Winnipeg Jets in the first round in that 2019 run when they were calling him Fatty Patty, Fatty, you know, all this stuff. And he took a little circle because I was between the benches, and he took just a little bit of a circle. He comes right back to, back to their bench. He looks at them all, and he goes, Fatty Patty. Fatty Patty Hockey, it's back. <laughs> <laughs> he owns it. I love it. Would like, would you be more upset at Koskinen for not coming in and playing the role of plugging a little bit of a hole? Like you're you're making over what two million dollars a year? Does he make four? Is, I don't know four how high eight? is he. Yeah. I thought he was like two eight or something. No, no, he's 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 in the force. Yeah, oh he's in the force. But worse. You know what, but that kind Way of worse. that kind of stuff, though. You know what, Kipper? That like that. He's he's not a he's not a fast twitch, quick twitch goalie. You know, if you look at all the, to me anyway, you look at all the the really great backups that's ever played the game. They're the guys that can come in and and totally energize you. I'm going to go back, you know, years and years and years. But you know, I remember like a guy like Chris Terreri, athletic. Um, um, acrobatic comes in there, all of a sudden he makes a couple of saves, and it's like, whoa, okay, now the energy's back up. He's a chirper, he's talking, and he's just one of many. The Carter Huttons, the uh, even Scott Wedgwood, what he did with the with the Dallas Stars. I mean, I don't consider Koskinen one of those guys that's going to come in there and rally the troops for some reason. I I think uh, I think he has a hard time doing that, and I think he's more of a rhythmic goaltender, and so he's been sitting on the bench for forever, doesn't play in the other series, and he gets thrown in there on the road when. Uh, when uh, well, you know what's happening in that game, so no, I I don't know. I just don't think he's that kind of goaltender. That's just my opinion. I think if they're gonna they're gonna have to. I I, I don't know what they're gonna do. I don't know if they're gonna go back to him or you know back, back to Smitty, let him regroup a little bit, or or you know. Or I, go I, right I think they already announced it. Yeah, I think they, they? they yeah they said it. I think they said it. Smith it's, is starting. Smith going, to. going back. They're going back to Smitty yeah, again. Are. Okay. Yeah. Because he might be flat out of gas. Like those legs get a little beat up there, going post to post and staying on your knees the whole time and staying deep in the net like that. Like that's a, that's an, an interesting one. A little rubbery. Uh, Panger, so happy that you were able to find time at the halfway house to uh, to talk to us today. <laughs> I played a nice course called Sanctuary. 
Sounds very nice. Sounds heavenly. Yes. <laughs> there's only the, the founders of Remax uh, couldn't get into Castle Pine, so they decided to buy 400 acres and build their own club and have only two members, them, them. That's it. <laughs> you, uh, wow. you, you're taking some of that uh, Gretzky MGM money off of him? <laughs> Bet MGM. Hello again, everyone. <laughs> Darren Pang, thanks for doing this, pal. My pleasure. Have a great day. Thanks, See you guys. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Ed Jovanovski is going to help us tee up the pressure on the Florida Panthers right now. I'm sorry. I just stuck on Koskinen and making 4.5 at, at 4.5. What did I say? Two, yeah. two and a half at 4.5. Your muscles should twitch that, fast. That, that was a parting gift from Shirelli. He's like, here you go. I'm Here's Koskinen. Bye. I actually love that point from Panger though, about a backup goalie coming in there and kind of flying around, making a couple big saves, energizing you. It's one that I never really would have thought of, but it's mm. true. You want that in a backup. Well, look, yeah, I, I, I would have thought that Jay Woodcroft would have almost at some point watching Kostin it. Gone back to Smith? Yes. Yeah, that thought crossed my mind. Yes. Yeah. This game's still winnable. Like, all right, Mike, you've calmed down. If you just had a, had a timeout. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a mulligan. We're back almost even. I need you now. To claw back to 6-6 six, six in that game and let it get away. Oh, boy. That's tough. I mean, they, they needed that one. Okay. And then in the second hour, we also got uh, Brian Lawton coming we got, on. We got and stuff. Uh, we'll get back into his thoughts on Boston and mm-hmm. Toronto and so much more. Real Kipper and Bourne on our Sportsnet YouTube channel and podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Download us. Give us a listen. Do it. We're back after this.